was me yawning. I thought I'd start the podcast off, really set the mood. Um, it's very rainy today. I'm trying really hard to record, and it's just it's chucking it down. So please excuse. Uh, well, I hope you enjoy the very soothing noises if you can hear them. But anyway, welcome back to the Revolting Women podcast. I've just wasted twenty seconds talking about the weather. You know, I could start the Revolting Women weather forecast. I think I might. I think there's a gap in the market there. Anyway, today we're talking about male role models. Um, That was something that was suggested to me by uh, someone on Instagram, and I thought it was a really good idea. Because I think there's a lot, or at least I see a lot of um, boys my age uh, kind of posting about Joe Rogan, for example. I think he's almost... He's not hailed, obviously, uh, but I think he's very well respected in the the teenage boy community. But... um, yeah, I find it very interesting what makes a male role model, you know, what are their specific values that boys might hold uh, that make an icon and uh, are these values kind of detrimental to what we would like to be seeing in men growing up? So I suppose the first thing that you need to look at um, when you're looking at what male role models have that make them idolizable that make them <coughs> someone you can look up to I suppose in a way but uh something that I found was a quality that I thought was kind of repeated in a lot of male role models and I'm talking about uh footballers you know teachers I suppose actors anyone that uh, I, I deemed was someone that had been idolized nowadays anyway uh and financial success I think was the biggest factor or at least the common, the most common factor in all of these idols, you know, entrepreneurship as well, having a successful career, all factors of what make an idol nowadays, I think, for boys. So factors, uh, they'll probably, you know, I'd rank them as less prominent, or, you know, I didn't see as much of them, I didn't see their, they weren't as frequent uh, when I was looking at male icons, what was I thinking, you know, the factors were that attracted people to wanting to idolise them, were kind of the more sexuality-based ones. So the idea that they were romantically successful, maybe they had a really successful marriage, or they were just quite a powerful couple, or maybe the idea that they were kind of, no, I don't want to say promiscuous and sound like a, you know, Mormon 1900s woman, but I do think that uh, kind of conventional attractiveness and how you're perceived by uh, the opposite sex or whatever their sexuality was, depending on who you're idolising, did play a factor in how idolisable they were. So before the days of the internet, where we would be idolising, you know, entrepreneurs and online uh, personalities, I found, or at least I consider... uh, offline personalities and people that men would interact with every day teenage boys would be interacting of course I think with people they idolized as opposed to someone that they didn't you know I think in the 80s that this is where online personalities became kind of hailed by teenage boys you know uh I think people would hail you know singers actors much more later on than they did in the 50s for example so I think uh, in the 50s people would be idolising people like their fathers and their teachers and then probably by the 60s and 70s when TV became massive actors like Marlon Brando who held a lot of masculine traits you know uh, would have been idolised much more I think the thing uh, the trait that made men back in the day back in our parents day depending on how old they were uh, idolizable or icons 
was how masculine they were. So actors like Marlon Brando, if you've not seen him in a film, then you'll probably not know what I'm talking about. But take my word for this. He's a very... He's kind of a butch guy, you know. He plays the all-American man. If you've seen or read A Streetcar Named Desire, you'll know that Marlon Brando plays uh, Stanley, and he's uh, the peak of working-class pride. And I think that's something that was very... uh, sought after in the 1950s especially for working class boys it was oh yeah I'm going to be proud I'm going to go you know I'm going to be the breadwinner for my family and obviously a father would hold that same uh, figure if you were an academic I think you'd be looking up to your professors your teachers they were kind of the patriarch of your life I suppose so I do think that masculinity was the overreigning uh, trait that was looked for in an icon I suppose also worth mentioning is probably in the 1940s, or at least when we kind of were idolising war, or war was talked about and glamorised a lot more than obviously it is now, uh, boys would be kind of looking up to war heroes, or at least, you know, maybe they had a granddad that was in the war, and they're like, hell yeah, he's so cool and strong. So I think, again, that comes back to the whole idea of this is what masculinity looks like, this is who I should be becoming as a teenage boy and I don't want to say emotionlessness but I do think that Marlon Brando again a good example isn't very uh you know he doesn't portray you know boys should cry too you know that's of course not something that was considered back in the 1950s you know for worse in my opinion but point being there was a lot less online worship of male personalities but what about now? Obviously, we've just talked about who would be who boys would be idolizing and looking up to in the nineteen fifties and all through the twentieth century. But what about the twenty first century? Obviously, with the boom of you know online uh, personalities, even if that's on TV, we feel a lot more connected to these people. I think. I think it's a lot easier to uh, really idolize a football player, for example, if you follow him on Instagram, because it's like you're seeing part of his daily life. You're not just seeing the act he puts on on football you're seeing the act if that is what it is uh he puts on online so i think uh again the qualities are very similar to what i first talked about so financial success being the most common factor in idols uh for boys who were men entrepreneurship and resourcefulness when i talk about this uh i mean people like elon musk who i'll go into more detail in a second but i think this is in many ways my overruling theory for this male idolization of entrepreneurs is the kind of rebirth of the american dream and i was talking about this the other day with my friend and he kind of agreed that it's um a big element in what men want to see in their idols is that kind of going from nothing to something you know people really like eminem for example because he came from nothing people like rappers that have had to go through a financial struggle most of the time because they that's what they rap about a lot of the time, this uh, struggle, and I think a lot of at least working-class people can relate to that more so. I think that's what's interesting when, uh, for example, middle-class boys really idolise rappers that came from uh, poverty into extreme wealth. I think Kendrick Lamar being a good example uh, is, you know, what are you really relating to? Because obviously... A middle-class boy is not going to relate to that financial struggle. But I think more than anything, it's the respect you get for someone who has struggled through that and is now talking about it and is like, hell yeah, you know, I'm wealthy as fuck now. I think that's something that we can all kind of... It's that desire for wealth. It's always that human greed. But anyway, uh, my overarching theory is that this is the rebirth of um, the American dream. 
I'm going to read uh, the Google definition of the American dream, just for those that aren't entirely, you know, just for the sake of clarity. So it is, the ideal by which equality of opportunity is available to any American, allowing the highest aspirations and goals to be achieved. So by that, I think what we can take from that is that under capitalism, I hate to get political, I hate to go communist on you guys, but under capitalism, we supposedly are able to achieve uh, whatever, you know, we can achieve, achieve extreme wealth, we can become the 1% if we have the ambition. So it's got nothing to do with luck, it's got nothing to do with what class you were born into, which we all know it does actually have a lot to do with those things. Uh, it's just to do with the ambition that you have. And if you're, you know, if you're strong enough, you'll be wealthy. And again, I think that's uh, a characteristic of masculinity. Of course, also his intelligence, his academic uh, success, that doesn't seem to be within a system. You know, he never says, oh, you know, I got a degree in computer science from Cambridge or whatever. He was just saying, he doesn't say anything. It's just we know he's intelligent because he, what did he do, design a rocket or something? We know he's an intelligent man. I think that's very idolizable. Um, of course, also, I think his marital success, kind of lesser, to a lesser extent, I think women maybe are more likely to idolise this kind of thing because that's a trait that's been shoved in our face, you know, get married, have a successful marriage, whatever. But I think that his marriage to Grimes and his uh, ability to, how do I put this, to pull such, she's a lot younger than him, I'm not too sure how much younger, but I think he's like, what is he, like 40 something and she's like, I don't know. 20 something I don't know I think the age gap is kind of a presentation of how you know his wealth means that he can essentially have anything and that that has kind of ensured his marital success not to shit on Elon Musk and Grimes's very very serious marriage but back to Elon Musk he is for me the epitome the very very peak the pinnacle of this revival of the American dream because I don't I really don't know too much about his background to be honest with you but I do think that he came from not financial struggle, but, you know, not extreme wealth. He wasn't born into extreme wealth. It wasn't handed to him like Donald Trump, for example. People don't really have that same financial respect for him uh, as they do with Elon Musk, for example. It's his entrepreneurship that's really attractive, I think, to a lot of teenage boys. So he, the traits, the characteristics that I found Elon Musk kind of presented and were idolised were his kind of hedonistic sort of positivity kind of outlook on things he was very he's he's um a solution-based person i think that's something that you see in a lot of entrepreneurs like a lot of other male idols i think he's quite reserved emotionally i don't think he shows a lot of um emotion he doesn't i think he's cried on camera once and that's kind of one of the first videos that i saw on youtube not in a i don't think it was a ridiculing thing i think it was like wow he's reserved all of the time but the one time he almost breaks down talking about his ambition and aspiration trying to inspire people it's like he's normally very reserved you know i don't see this man smile in a lot of pictures i don't think he really cares too much for an online personality although that is where people tend to worship him i think again that comes back to the masculinity thing the sort of um logic over emotion bullshit that ben shapiro pushes and i'm not trying to suggest that elon musk attempts to push this i just think that when you're a male celebrity in the limelight and you're not pushing for male mental health for example you're that's not your niche that's not your market then i think you become a very reserved person and that is part of masculinity uh, i suppose also with elon musk um he is part of a new generation of wealth and this comes back to the idea that you don't he's not curating his image he's not part of a you know the musk family that's not 
you know, he was never part of a long line of wealth and inheritance. Like I say, he was kind of, he built himself, which me and massive respect for, of course. Um, but he doesn't seem to curate his self-image too much. He never goes, all that I've seen when I was researching him, he was never in an interview like, you know, I'm a good guy, I give to charity. I don't see a lot of that. Although, uh, an argument that was presented to me when I was talking about how, of course, wealth is not, uh, I don't really respect people that are massively wealthy, for example, I'm a bit bit communist like that. Um, I think uh, the argument that seems to come back all the time is that the stuff he's doing is good for the environment, supposedly. I think the... Oh, God, I really don't know what I'm talking about here, but I think the Tesla, one of the cars or something, was um kind of eco-friendly or something he was doing. A project he was working on was... Um, intend not intending, but, you know, as a byproduct, was not harming the environment. But anyway, with Elon Musk, I think it comes down to his financial success, and it's kind of that, it is that idea of building yourself from nothing. Um, and he doesn't seem to curate his self-image online. I think Bill Gates, for example, is someone that does uh, give a lot to charity and talks about it a lot, whether, whether or not that's um, performative activism or performative uh, philanthropy, I think... You know, either way, he's giving to charity, and that's better than nothing. On to someone I consider a very interesting character. Joe Rogan uh, has come up more than anyone uh, in my thinking about uh, male icons or people that uh, boys look up to. Boys that boys look up to. Um, and he obviously makes a podcast, I've got massive competition, Joe Rogan of course, my stats completely uh, compete with his of course, but um, someone I know has seen all of his episodes on YouTube uh, and that kind of scares me a little bit because I thought, uh, I think as, I'm not going to say as a woman, but as someone who's very feminist inclined, I think immediately I was like, I saw him and I was like, who the fuck is this man? You know, what, is, what does he talk about? I also think I saw a snippet uh, of him talking about uh, courts and the law. And I, 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 you know, I'm not trying to start beef with Joe Rogan or anyone that really likes him because I was wrong. But this one snippet that I saw was him talking about uh, the courts and he was saying how the court is always in the woman's favour. Uh, and I was like, uh, well, I think so. Because obviously if you've seen my rape... Uh, statistic video some video podcast episode uh you'll know that that's not the case with 1.8 percent of rape cases going to court anyway getting off track uh but i uh have seen a couple of his other episodes or at least uh you know started them i don't think i got through like hours and hours of it but uh you know i think he's great i think the thing that attracts people to joe rogan for example is uh as one person told me the fact that he when he gets people on his show, it's kind of not so much a characteristic of his, but the way that he works, obviously, he gets people that no one else can really talk to. Like, he had Elon Musk, I think, on his show, and that episode was really fucking funny, because there was a bit where he was like, oh, your son was born on May the 4th? Oh, my God, May the 4th be with you. And that was just... It made me laugh really hard. It was such a stupid outtake. But anyway, um, yeah, Joe Rogan, what a guy. He gets people on his show uh, that no one else can really have on their show, and he talks to them, and I think the thing someone mentioned to me was that he doesn't seem to interject very much when he has guests he doesn't just talk with them or ask them really stupid questions he kind of lets them talk uh, and I think that's very interesting that's an interesting side to uh, celebrities or entrepreneurs like Elon Musk that you don't really get to see in formal interviews furthermore 
something that wasn't necessarily mentioned to me but I did pick up on in his podcast was his kind of raw honesty I think that he's not very censored I think that he does talk about uh I don't I really don't know what his political standings are I find him a very I find him enigmatic frankly he's such a character I don't know if I want to hate him I don't know if I love him I don't know I'm very uh, neutral I think when it comes to Joe Rogan because I just do not understand him he's almost alien to me but anyway I think that his kind of raw honesty is something that I find irritating in a way because it's like could you not you know say stupid things like you know the court is always in favor of women that give a lot of stupid men for example the exam uh the ability to be like okay well you know, rape cases don't happen, but taken out of context, that episode was actually about uh, divorce rates, for example, uh, not divorce, sorry, how, well, when you divorce and how children are given to the woman, um, the court will always be in the favour of the woman in the sense the woman will always get the children, and I do agree with that, but I think he was failing to link that back to uh, the fact that that's because women are expected to be better mothers than men, the patriarchy hurts us all, and he was kind of missing that point. But uh, his kind of devil's advocacy, I thought, was uh, irritating, but also very respectable in the sense that he doesn't filter his podcast. And I think, you know, uh, a free society is one where we can make unpopular opinions, providing we're not saying, like, let's commit genocide, for example, uh, if we can if we can express unpopular opinions and not be scrutinised for them, but rather be corrected or have them answered or considered. Um so I think that aspect of Joe Rogan is something that I can totally get behind. Coming back to the traits, the characteristics of these idols, these two idols that I've talked about, I think uh, we need to consider why. Why is it these uh, traits are so sought after or so prominent in a lot of the male icons that we've looked at? I think the idea that intelligence, for example, and this kind of uh, logical way of speaking that Elon Musk and Joe Rogan both have, if you look at the way they talk, the way they... uh, convey themselves is very factual you know joe rogan won't interject with emotion i don't think uh he's very he's logical i think when he moves from point to point maybe less so than elon musk because he's not scientific in the way he talks but i think that logic is kind of linked to an emotionlessness in the sense it's like you know i'm not talking from the heart i'm talking from the brain and i think that's a very masculine trait or at least it's pushed as a masculine trait you know be logical stick to the facts that's kind of what ben shapiro does you know if i speak fast and monotonously you know with no kind of emotion in my voice then i win the argument if you get slightly emotional i think that's what's used with women a lot of the time you know if you cry you you lose the argument but uh I don't mean at all to shit on these guys. I just think that that's a trait that's quite common that's unfortunately uh, hailed a lot and is seen as a pinnacle of masculinity because these men would be great with or without the masculine traits. You know, we know that Elon Musk is doing amazing things even within the uh, limits of environmental security. And Joe Rogan, of course, is getting... Uh, you know, he's he's great for entertainment, of course, and kind of learning, I suppose, also, depending on which episode. Um but this ma- these masculine traits of like emotionlessness i think are kind of byproducts of their uh niche you know the way they talk what they do when they publicly speak i think what's also interesting is the divide between men and women or at least teenage boys and teenage girls i think teenage girls have a tendency to glamorize not poverty but to glamorize working class fashion for example you know kappa uh, champion all used to be brands that were considered 
poor people brands or were considered brands that were you know easily taken from Primark or whatever. Whereas now it's like, oh, we're all into thrifting, even if you're a middle class or an upper class girl from Kensington. We all go thrifting. We all go to cancer research and get these two pound trousers that are capo because they're vintage and cool. We, I think, as a generation, have a tendency to glamorise the working class, but in a way that kind of gentrifies it. We have a gentrification problem, I think, within fashion, within art, uh, and I think it only divides the class further. Whereas I think teenage boys have a tendency to glamorise the very, very wealthy. And I think both are evil, not necessarily evil, but they're both, you know, neither one is better than the other in the extreme sense. Um because they glamorise, for example, entrepreneurship, resourcefulness, uh, career success, obviously, as we talked about, financial success, um, all characteristics that are very kind of old-fashioned. This is an old-fashioned... It's like we've looped back. Teenage boys have looped back to what we would look at in the 50s, you know, this financial success, uh, as opposed to what women like in kind of gentrifying the poor fashion but both as i say i don't really agree with i think we have to find a good balance and not gentrifying or looking for extreme wealth so obviously like every episode i've just sat here for about 20 minutes and complained about uh the opposite sex the male the male gender um i don't intend to do that all i want to do with this episode is um kind of raise awareness to who we're idolizing and why we're doing it because i didn't really think about this until someone obviously suggested that i make this episode uh, and about the icons and the traits, the characteristics of the male iconization, it just comes back to this some this uh, concept of masculinity that I'm very interested in. Um, but I do propose a solution in talking about some icons that I think should be, you know, or at least underrated, or we could at least hail their characteristics and consider them a bit more when we're talking about, oh God, I love Joe Rogan and how bald he is and how masculine he appears, you know. Uh, Although I'm sure that's not what everyone idolises him for. So people, for example, like Will Smith, I think he's, uh, his marital failure, as we all saw recently, was not treated brilliantly. I think there was a lot of talk about how men's mental health wasn't taken so seriously. I think it was very easy to ridicule him and kind of be like, ha-ha, uh, Jada Pinkett Smith cucks him, ha-ha, you know, he sits and watches... Um, I think that was kind of what was talked about a lot. And I think we need to we need to idolise this man for having such a... Not strong, I don't think that's the right word. But I think for not being a massive cock and actually going on air and talking to his wife about how she cheated on him. Uh, he's I think he's great. I think Will Smith is amazing. He also used to wear crop tops. He cries on camera. I think that's brilliant. I think for men's mental health, you don't get better than that. I think it's amazing that he did that. And I think we need to idolise him more because he's so cool. He is so cool. I think uh, Jaden and Willow Smith don't get enough attention either. I think they're absolutely brilliant. I think their take on gender and the way they present themselves is amazing. I think Jaden Smith should be someone that's much more idolised in the male community. But I think because he makes music that's kind of demographically more... uh, Women like it more, I think. I think it's very difficult to idolise him because of masculinity. Uh, someone else I think is great is Stormzy. I think he's brilliant. Uh, I think he's kind of, um, he's Christian, which is interesting, but I think he holds values that I wouldn't necessarily, you know, although I don't agree with organised religion, I think uh, his values are of respect for women, for example. I, I never hear him talking about uh, how many hoes he possesses, you know, in his possession, how many thoughts he has. Um, 
and I think that's great. I think as a rapper from the UK, that's quite rare as well, because uh, I think that's it's kind of a low blow to always talk about that. And I think his uh, take on black excellence as well. He has a, a program where he, I think, he funds people's uh, college scholarships. Uh, black youth, I think, he funds in in the UK. So Gareth Southgate, uh, I think, was or maybe still is the uh, English football manager. Um, and from what I saw of him, you know, I'm not going to pretend I know anything about football, or at least about Gareth Southgate, what a niche that would be. Um, he's very... He doesn't take at all this alpha approach. He's not, like, an angry, shouty man, I don't think. I don't think he's very... Um, he doesn't take an alpha approach to his leading skills, and that's something that I think should really, really be idolised. He hugs and he comforts his players. I think he's cried... Uh, on camera I don't think he takes the approach that a lot of other football managers or football players take which is to present themselves as the utmost masculine they can they don't really care about the mental health of their players but I think he takes a wonderful approach with that and I think that it's someone uh, that's in the perfect position to be doing all the wrong things but he's doing all the right things and I think that we need to I think teenage boys could do with idolising him more Harry Styles I think is a brilliant example of men very comfortable in their own masculinity in their own in the fact that they own a penis and identify with that penis um that dress considerably effeminately and i think that that concept of effeminate dress wear is another stupid concept that i'll probably do an episode about you know masculinity and femininity but he's so comfortable that he doesn't care to conform to what you know we live in a society as as the old saying goes but he doesn't care to conform to that uh standard of you know you dress you dress poorly or you dress uh like you don't care too much whereas he dresses very flamboyantly and i think that's great i think he's a great icon i think he's got great music i think he's a cool guy all round 10 out of 10 finally if you've seen peep show you will know robert webb is the epitome of not giving a shit about masculinity. Obviously, he has a couple of episodes where he's like... Well, we know that he's very... He's an avidly bisexual... Uh, Jeremy, anyway, in Peep Show, is an avidly bisexual man. Um, he's very comfortable in his masculinity, and I love that for him. More guy. But uh, I think people that watch Peep Show... I think boys that watch Peep Show tend to be more uh, careless when it comes to masculinity anyway, and I think that's just kind of proof that uh, who you idolise really matters in your own identity. So... Uh, Robert Webb's book, the guy that plays Jeremy, wrote a book called How Not to Be a Boy, and it was essentially it was in many ways an autobiography because uh, it sort of went through his life chronologically cr- excuse me, chronologically uh, but through the lens of kind of toxic masculinity and what shaped him was how emotionless and he did have a rough childhood, that's what a lot of people have heard about, I think, his um, struggles as a child and his fatherly struggles he didn't, you know, he thought, oh, I can't be sexist, I can't be a massive cock, because I just hate, I hate that my dad does that, but it turns out that you can go to the other end and be sexist because you don't think you are, you know, because you think you're the good guy, but it turns out every, every man has to unlearn sexist behaviour and sexist, uh, thinking and that's not because it's their fault it's because they've been taught that and that is the fault of the patriarchy and the fault of society um but robert webb's book god it was so good it was so good i really really strongly recommend that you read it if you have watched peep show if you are human that can read i think everyone it should be on the syllabus it's amazing very very funny as well obviously but very very heartbreaking a lot of 
Oh, sad things happen, but I read it in four days. It was amazing. I wish I could read it all over again. I'm jealous of you if you haven't. My point about Robert Webb, although I got very sidetracked in talking about my unashamed obsession with how not to be a boy, is that um, he's not necessarily known, I don't think, for his... uh, how comfortable he is in his masculinity and his approach to feminism, which is brilliant, by the way. Um, But he's kind of obviously known for being a comedian, for being funny, for being just outspoken, I suppose. Uh, But I think we could all look at that. I think that's a very overlooked characteristic of his that's massively influential on teenage boys and should be, because it's a great characteristic to have. So looking at the qualities of these men that I've suggested we idolise or who we should, who teenage boys I would consider should be idolizing or are worth idolizing uh to kind of have an idol of not caring about toxic masculinity or not considering toxic masculinity as a as their own characteristic um the the traits that all these men that i've suggested have are for example failure facing failure for example will smith his marital failure financial failure coming from financial struggle i think was actually one of the traits in the first place, but it's not necessarily the respect that you get for someone that's come from A to B, that's come from extreme poverty to becoming the 1%. I think it's the respect you have for someone who can relate to most of the public or who can help people in poverty or people in minority situations. So Stormzy, for example, helping uh, with his Black Excellence programme. I think that's a great characteristic that men who are icons should have furthermore i think not being an insane risk taker i think this is something that's really promoted and it's very dangerous behavior i think men should be they're taught society teaches men to be these risk takers that you know do everything for profits like screw it drop everything and start a business because i'm an entrepreneur you know i'm going to drop out of college because i'm an entrepreneur i'm like elon musk you know this weird risk taking thing and I think we know that men are more likely to take risks and I don't know if that is biological or if that's taught behavior I don't know if that's a product of cultural uh teachings but I still think I think Elon Musk for example is probably someone that encourages that kind of risk-taking entrepreneurship behavior and I don't think that's a characteristic we should be idolizing furthermore uh anti-toxic masculinity I wish that icons like Joe Rogan and Elon Musk but I think, I think Joe Rogan's kind of on the older side. I don't know if he would actually talk about... But I suppose Elon Musk is too. I just think Joe Rogan is less in the know with kind of Instagram. You know, because obviously Elon Musk talks a lot of shit on Twitter. I think he knows what people think about him. Um, anyway, I wish these male icons uh, that are currently idolised celebrities uh, in the male gaze were talking about toxic masculinity because, it, Jesus, it's so harmful, you know... Um, I used to be like, God, I wish I was a boy. Like, it would be so much easier. Like, Jesus. But now I see that it's not necessarily easier to be a boy. Although I think that it's less... I do think it would be easier if I was a boy. But I think that there's a lot of drawbacks, again, uh, in being a man. Because it's, like, toxic masculinity. You're meant to conform to all of these things. I think there's just more subtle drawbacks. I think being a woman is more dangerous on a day-to-day basis. But I think that identity is something that you know drives men to suicide you know that's why the rates of male suicide are so incredibly high because men don't talk about their emotions and it's something they're not taught to do um you know coming back to robert webb's book that's what he talks about male suicide is so much higher because we're not talking about men were so much more likely to to say no to talking therapy but to say yes to meditation for example in a survey of uh men seeking mental health help um 
because talking therapy requires opening up it requires talking to someone and from therapy in my own experience I know that's a really difficult thing to do but imagine being told all your life stop expressing your feelings you know Robert Webb says when you're told to stop to stop expressing these feelings to not cry uh, uh that anger is the only acceptable solution that drinking alcohol is the only acceptable solution to feeling emotions that everyone feels it starts to sound uncanny and very sim- similar to just saying don't feel those feelings at all and that's why men suppress their feelings and that drives them to suicide so what i'm saying is please please talk to people about your emotions i think it's a much less uh, taken on attitude by boys of our generation thank god um but i still think that it's it's looked down on and when boys really talk about their emotions uh i think it's a very unhappy culture of men so in conclusion to wrap up this episode uh i think it's very important to look at who we idolize i think it's important to think why do i idolize this person and if you have an inkling that it's because they present themselves as very masculine i think it's time to change Uh, who you're idolising because I don't think masculinity should be the overwhelming trait that you look for I don't think you need you know I'm talking to the to the demographic of boys that listen to my podcast you don't need to be uh, masculine for people to like you don't need to be you don't need to conform to what society has told you for however many years you've been alive and it really it started when you were born you know baby coloured clothing and weird slogans that say when I'm older I'm gonna fuck you know uh you don't need to be that god this is so deep but it's I worry you know I worry for my friends for my many many thousands of male friends um that they will become very sad and torn up because identity is so important I didn't really realize this Uh, until I read Robert Webb's book that being a man is actually very difficult as it turns out and we never knew this ladies we never knew but you know being told to be one thing you know basically you're told not to be human aren't you and I'm sorry for that I'm sorry that society tells you to stop crying and things just cry all the time it freaks me out I'll be like how often do you cry my good friend Jerome or whatever and they'll be like oh you know I just really cry at football games that's about it and it's like what the fuck I have like a weekly cry I like a good weekly cry. I don't see the problem with that. Anyway, getting really off track, you know. What's going on with my brain today? But um, I think we need to take idolising with a pinch of salt. I think that we don't need to say, oh, I love Elon Musk. You don't have to love everything that he supports. I think he's a Republican as well. You know, you can love his entrepreneurship. You can love how resourceful he is. You can love how he became very wealthy from nothing. You can love how... Ugh, how his hair grew back or whatever. You know? You can love those things. You don't have to love that he's a Republican as well. Um, you know, Joe Rogan's a bit sexist, I think. I think uh, he just gives me weird sexist vibes, you know. I think that the whole... The court is in favor. I just think he's not very good at getting to the conclusion of patriarchy. And I don't think you know, it's fair enough because that's not his niche. But also, what are you telling the boys that listen to your podcast? Um, so just take it with a pinch of salt when you idolise someone, basically. So let's reiterate. Uh, please read Robert Webb's book if you found this interesting, this concept of toxic masculinity, because it's amazing, it's on eBay for like £2.30 or something, it's really, really good, free shipping and everything, lovely, but um, I really enjoyed it, I think you'll really enjoy it, if you do read it, if you have read it, please tell me what you thought of it, you know, hit me up on Instagram and be like, hey Annie, love the book, not that it's my book, it's Robert Webb's book, just to clarify, but um, thank you so much for listening, I hope you enjoyed today's 
rainy podcast. I'm sorry that I've not been very articulate. I think a lot of people are like, wow, your podcast's so articulate. Well, surprise, welcome to today's episode where my brain is on turbo, turbo knob mode. It's just not working today. But anyway, thank you so much. I'll see you next time. Bye.